look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23, just a few verses in Psalm 23, but we'll read the psalm just completely through once again. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I just want to read uh, two verses again. Uh, just one verse. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And it is just the fact of the comfort of this psalm that I wanted to just talk for a few minutes this morning. The sheep passing through the valley of the shadow of death. It was probably written when David was in distress sometime. Perhaps, they think, perhaps when he was being pursued by Saul. And Saul was chasing him all over the countryside. And David sat down and wrote this psalm. Maybe he was thinking of some deep valley through which he used to bring his father's sheep many, many years ago. When David was a shepherd out on the, the, the fields and on the hills of... Uh, Jerusalem and, uh, and Palestine, remembering these dark, dangerous passages and gullies which the sheep had to pass through, dangerous for the sheep on their own with fast-flowing rivers and wild animals and various crevices that they could fall into. This produced in David's mind a picture of death. And so this psalm has passed into use by most people as a kind of comfort, a comfort to all Christians who are going through difficulties and going through sorrow and mourning. But it also has become a kind of anesthetic to unbelievers in times of death. This psalm is sung and used at funerals of believers and unbelievers. But you know, it doesn't mean, it doesn't make sense to people who are unbelievers. But yet, it is sung and it seems to work as a kind of anesthetic to them and numbs them a little bit to the reality of death. You know, I was just looking up a few things. Although this valley seems to be a lonely road, and it is a lonely road, 
with over 3,000 people per hour tread its pathway, scurrying silently along its silent gorges, many unfortunately hurrying headlong to a lost eternity, the valley of the shadow of death. If I was to ask you what is the most important word in this whole psalm, would you have any idea what I think is the most important word in this whole psalm? No. 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 <laughs> right. I think it's my. My. The Lord is my shepherd. Because the psalm is meaningless, I think, unless the Lord is my shepherd. Many have sung the psalm, learned the psalm by heart, maybe, in Sunday school. But they've never known the shepherd. Only the hireling. And if you look at John chapter 10, I read a few verses. John 10 and verse 11. We all know this so well, we learnt it, didn't we? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, and so on. But then Jesus goes on in verse 11 of John chapter 10, and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, Seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. There are shepherds who are in charge of flocks of God's people who are true and good shepherds. But there are also those who are only doing it as a kind of pastime, as a kind of occupation, a job, the same way as they become architects or engineers or builders. They have become ministers, shepherds, but they're hirelings. And when they see the wolf coming, he says, a hireling fleeth, somebody who's just hired for the job, doesn't own the sheep, doesn't have a responsibility towards the sheep. When the wolf comes, he says, the hireling flees. But we know that David, when he was the shepherd, he said, when I saw the, the lion and things coming, I, I, I killed them. And that we have the protection of God. We may have sung the psalm, as we said. We may have learned it by heart. But we have never known the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I remember hearing it years ago when I was in Sunday school. Sunday school teacher. An aunt of Rosemary's was my Sunday school teacher. And 
she told the story of a little boy who was in her Sunday school class, a Sunday school class, not her Sunday school class. And she said, always remember, the Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. And she pointed it out on her fingers. And the index finger, she said, was the Lord is my shepherd. And the little boy took very ill. And he was dying. And she went to see him, and he was at home in bed, and was getting near the time for the little fellow to die. And his mother said, I can't understand it. He's holding his index finger. Keeps holding his index finger. And they said, she said, I know what it is. He said, in Sunday school a few weeks ago, I gave them a little in, uh, object lesson. And the little fellow was holding, the Lord is my shepherd. It's so important that we know the shepherd of the psalm. Because if we do, he knows us. You know, that's a wonderful comfort that God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, knows us. And he thought of death. You know, death is one of the, they say there are two inevitable things, income tax and death. <laughs> and death is inevitable. Whilst we may not fear death, what most people do not look forward to is the actual experience of dying. I think that's, that is the problem. We don't fear death. But the actual experience of having to die is what we, we fear. But the psalmist says, going on to verse, uh, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and he gives some reasons about his hope, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. And the first reason why he fears no evil is because, he says, it's the valley of the shadow of death. It's not the valley of death. To the believer, to those who have the knowledge that the good shepherd is their shepherd, they, the valley is not the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. Let us always remember that death is a defeated foe. What does it say in Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 15. I'll read it. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. <coughs> but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he has defeated death. He has had victory over sin and death and the grave. And because we put our faith and trust in him, we too then have victory over death. <coughs> when the Bible talks about believers dying... It never talks about believers dying. It always talks about believers falling asleep. We fall asleep because we wake up then in glory. There's an interesting verse in Hosea, verse, chapter 13 and verse 14. I will ransom them from the power 
of the grave, it says. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. Looking forward to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ would redeem us, buy us back. He paid the price, the necessary price that was due for our redemption by his death, by his blood. And he says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. We are in the valley of the shadow of death. And then in Second Timothy it says, but, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has abolished death. For the believer, we are going to go to sleep in Christ, and we'll awake in glory. What does Paul say in, in Romans 8? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. We will never be separated uh, from Christ and the love of God, not even by death. So he was going through the valley of the shadow of death. And as David brought his sheep through the valley, as he was a shepherd years and years ago on the hills of Palestine, he was reminded that he brought his sheep through safely. And he says, through this valley, Jesus will be with us. I will fear no evil. And then he says, why will I fear no evil? He says, because thou art with me. Thou art with me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 13 and 5 and 6, it says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me, or anybody else. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. David the psalmist was able to say, For thou art with me. And we have the, the continual guide of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. When we have the Lord as our shepherd, when we have accepted Christ into our lives as our Savior and repented and come to him, Jesus said to his, his followers in John 14, verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Jesus had been their comforter. He had been with them for the last three years and they had been through thick and thin together and he had comforted them and constantly prayed for them and guided them and directed them. And now it was time for him to go. And he said, I'm going to pray to my father and he will send you another comforter. You see, he said, I'm going to have to go away. If I don't go away, the comforter won't come. And he says, this comforter is going to abide with you forever. I'm going to pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. 
even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I thought that that's one of the nicest things that Jesus said, isn't it? I will not leave you comfortless. I won't leave you to, 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 to mourn and grieve on your own. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He's a continual guide. And as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, David was saying that well, he, he is with us. Art, thou art with me. Thou, it's a definite thing. It's not something, it's not a maybe. Maybe you'll be with me. Perhaps he'll be with me. Maybe he's, he's not just someone who's going to meet us at the gate of the valley and say, you make your way down there and you turn left and straight on. No, he's not that kind of a guide. He's going to be with us. Thou art with me. Definite assurance. And you know, the interesting thing was, our Savior walked this way before. He tasted death. He died so that we might live. He knows the way. He goes before them. And the sheep follow him. That's what it says in John. He, he, he goes before them. He's been on that pathway. Our Savior trod this way before. He knows the way. There's a, there's a, a verse in Isaiah chapter 6. In 63. Verse 3. He said, I have trodden the winepress of alone and of the people there was none with me that's the difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and, and us he trod the wine press alone and of the people there was none with me he cried out my God my God why hast thou forsaken me at the time when he was bearing our punishment and shame and when he was redeeming us by his precious blood, he cried out, Father, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. But we have the assurance, as David had, thou art with me. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Fear not, Jesus says. I am he that liveth and was dead. He knows the way. He trod it alone. But we don't have to tread it alone because we have him with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thy rod and thy staff. The rod was there for the protection of the sheep. And it was like another translation of the rod in other parts is the scepter, a mark of authority. And we have the protection of the Lord Jesus Christ and we have his authority and the mark of his authority with us day by day. Look at Matthew uh, 28. We all know the, the Great Commission so well. The last few verses of Matthew chapter 28. Just as Jesus was leaving his disciples, he said, 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Jesus was, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. And lo, I am with you always. We have the, 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 his mark of authority on us. And that was one thing that David said. This rod was the scepter. God's scepter. This mark of authority, but it also was his protection. He, when he was a shepherd, he had a rod and a staff, the only two things the shepherd carried uh, apart from, uh, as, uh, in his hands. The rod. And it's a rod of faith. It can be a rod of faith. Rods are mentioned quite a lot in Scripture. But Exodus chapter 4 and verse 20, uh, Moses had been spoken to by God, and Moses, it says, took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And what he used that rod for in, in, in afterlife was amazing. It was a rod which showed his faith and trust in God. Later, as he led the children of Israel out of the promised land, they came to the sea. Do you remember? And God gave him instructions. And he said, Lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Took great faith for Moses. Here they were standing on the, the, the edge of a sea, and God said, take that rod, that rod which was an indication of Moses' faith. And he stretched it out over the sea, and the sea divided, and they walked through on dry land. What faith it, he had, what faith in God and trust. The Pharaoh's hordes were coming up behind them, and he stretched out the rod. Have we got that kind of faith? Pray that God we may exercise our faith and trust. What does it say in Hebrews? Hebrews, it says the substance, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Ours isn't a kind of uh, vague hope. That's not what it means in scripture when we talk about the hope we have. It's an assurance as we believe and trust in God. We need that faith. So David had faith. He says, thy rod and thy staff. The staff, staff. Uh, they used the staff to, to gather sheep up from difficult areas with a crook on the end of it. They also used it to support them as they walked up the, the steep parts of the, the mountains and the gorges. They used the staff. We have the support of God with us day by day. And it also is a staff representing God's promises. As we travel, we use a staff to support us day by day. And that staff is a type, a picture, of the promises of God. Look at Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And uh, verse... We go read, we read verse 7. And he called unto... 
him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse. Be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. They would travel light, weren't they? But they weren't to have anything which was based on material needs. They were to be shod with sandals. And what are sandals? It says sandals are to be shod with the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news upon the mountains. And they were to carry a staff. They were to carry and base their journeys on the promises of God. And that's how we should carry out our life. Not be dependent on material things, but to be dependent on God's word. What he has promised, what he says in his word, I will never leave thee for, nor forsake thee. And that's what David's saying here. We are in that position of not fearing because you're with us and we've got your authority, we've got your protection and we've got your promises. A verse in Hebrews 11. In the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse... 21. This is a chapter, and in this chapter, there are many people of faith. And we realized how much people live by faith. We talked about the rod of faith, didn't we? And we know that by faith Abraham, by faith Noah, by faith Moses, every these people who live by faith, wonderful, wonderful people. Remember the story way back in the Old Testament? We have the story of Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. And Jacob the father nearly died as a result of it. It broke his heart. Then Joseph became powerful in Egypt and the brothers came to buy corn and he, he played around with them for a while and then eventually he, he, he disclosed who he was to them and <clears throat> he said, bring my father up. The old man was brought up to Egypt. He lived for 17 years in Egypt. And then near the time of his death, he, he, he blessed his children. <clears throat> By faith, it says in verse 21, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. Leaning on his staff. God had promised him years and years ago that he would be a blessing, that uh, he would carry on the blessing that uh, he had given to 
Abraham and the, the promises of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, it all come down and he was leaning on his staff. Even when he was dying, he was passing on that blessing to his grandchildren. And it's an interesting story if you read away back in Genesis chapter uh, 46 and 47 and so on and he gives a blessing in 48 to his uh, two grandchildren and remember he put his hand on the different children and he put his right hand on the youngest and his left hand on the other one and they, Joseph tried to change it but no he was giving a blessing and his father refused and said I know it my son I know it and, and, and uh, the firstborn put their right hand upon his head. And he said, no, I, I wasn't doing so. He knew what he was doing. In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he, he just blessed the children and gave them a blessing that was going to carry on right through, carrying on the, the, the promises of, of old. And he leaned on those promises. And that's a picture of him. It says he leaned on his staff. What was he doing? He was leaning on the promises of God. And that's what we should do. If we want to have no fear, let us lean fully on the promises of God. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They don't... It's a personal thing, this comfort. They comfort me. As you go through the valley of the shadow of death, they comfort me now, not in the future. It's not they will comfort me or they, they might comfort me. It's now. It's in the future. Comfort to console. Look at Isaiah chapter 66. The last chapter in the book, or nearly the last chapter, I think it is, in the book of Isaiah. It is the last chapter. Verse 12. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall ye suck, ye shall be borne upon her sides, and be dangled upon her knees. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And so on. You know, he's pointing how this is something which will be uh, how they will be comforted. And the thought of the comforting is, and we said this a few weeks ago, is of a mother holding a little baby on her knees and comforting that little baby. How the comfort of a mother's arms. Uh, if we fall and cut our knees when we were kids, we ran to our mother and she comforted us. And then he says, uh, like a mother dandling you up and down on her knees, bumping the baby up and down in comfort and and joy. And that's the idea of the comfort we have. A, 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 an unfolding comfort. They comfort me. But we only can have this comfort if the Lord is my shepherd. And just in closing, that dark valley, unless the Lord comes, we're looking forward to the day when the Lord Jesus Christ will come and take us maybe to meet him in the clouds. The rapture. 
We're all going to be taken from this world, be called up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be forever with the Lord. But if, we're, if that hasn't taken place, we still have to walk the dark valley. And it must be trodden by you and by me. But there's a wonderful verse I was reading last night in Hosea. Hosea chapter 2 and verse 15 and it says and there and this is a slightly different translation but it's, it's, it's basically the same as the authorised and there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope and there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be mentioned by name no more. Now you may wonder what that's got to do with the valley of the shadow of death. The Valley of Achor, or the Valley of Achan, was one of the valleys through which the children of Israel had to pass when they came over the River Jordan to get to the Promised Land. They had to go through what was there afterwards called the Valley of Achan. Now, you know the story of Achan they, on, on the siege of Jericho. He stole stuff out of uh, Jerusalem, uh, out of Jericho, and he hid it in his tent, and eventually his family were stoned uh, to death and he was stoned to death as a result of stealing from the Lord and stealing the accursed thing. He mixed the profane and the holy and he went against God's law and he was stoned. To him it was a valley of death. This valley that they had to pass through. It was a valley of death for Achan. But Hosea is referring back to that story and he said that valley can be changed from a valley of death to a valley of hope. For some who do not know Christ as Savior, as they pass through the valley of death, it will be a, a, a valley of death where they will end up in a lost eternity. But for us who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, it becomes Instead of a valley of death, it becomes a valley of hope. For the rest of the children of Israel, as they passed through the valley of Achan, for Achan and his family, it was a valley of death. But for the rest of the people, it was a valley of hope because they were going through to the promised land. And he said, going on, he says, because, why because you have no more will be worshipping Baal. You have given up worshipping the, the, the false gods and you are going to call me my husband. You are going to be part of the, 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 the bride, the bride of Christ. The, we, the church is the bride of Christ. God, Baal was, was a false god 
and they were going to, they, if you look at Baal, there are different names, Baal this and Baal that, different names for Baal, attached to the word Baal. Baal in itself means my husband. But they had left their true husband, and they had gone uh, a whoring after other gods. But now, he says, you can come through uh, the Valley of Achan, and instead of being a valley of death, it's going to become a valley of hope. And that's what it is with us. We have left Egypt. Egypt is a sign of the world, a sign of sin, and we have come out of Egypt. We have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as the the type of the Passover as the children of Israel left Egypt. They, they slew a lamb, which was a type of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of the blood of the shed lamb, they became free from Egypt. And then they passed over and came into the promised land through the valley of death, which was a valley of death for Achan, but it became the valley of the shadow of death for the rest of the people. It became a door of hope. What a wonderful hope we have as Christians. We need not fear the valley of the shadow of death because thou art with me, thy rod, thy protection, the faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is with us, thy rod and thy staff, thy staff to support us, to comfort us, Let us lean on the promises of God as Jacob leaned on that staff as he blessed his grandchildren. Let us lean on the promises of God and let us turn that valley, which for some will be a valley of death, turn it into a valley of hope. That hope we have in, in seeing our Savior face to face someday.